so we are continuing in our series of essential matters and uh, kind of by God's design, if you will, the theme of today you'll find in chapter 6, so we'll be opening, turning, opening to the word there, but it's arguments and arguing. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, interestingly enough, I'm not sharing not to argue, I'm actually sharing most likely how to argue. And here, here's the strange thing, um, you don't need to all be taking notes so drastically, because if I hear about arguing, I want to take notes because I want to win. <laughs> I want to win the argument, I mean, what's the point in entering in one if you're not going to win it? But um, this, is, this is my thinking, and actually what we're going to be seeing today is actually... Um, when we talk about arguing according to the Lord, it doesn't mean us winning. Okay. So just to set the scene for this, I think it's important that you realize, because this is part of our reading series in Corinthians, and this is a letter to Corinthian people in Greece, it was to the church, it was to the community of believers. And so what you'll have is actually people who have already received grace, the Lord's grace, and who've already received mercy. Now, grace is receiving something you do not deserve. And we in this room, if we have a relationship with God, just like the Corinthians 2,000 years ago, we've received that same grace. We've received forgiveness for our sins, for our disobedience, for not living life according to God and with God. But we've also received him. We've received his spirit in our lives, and therefore we've not just received life, but life eternal. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve, okay? And so we've all received mercy because we all deserve judgment, and we don't deserve to have a life with God. In fact, we deserve to perish, yeah? The consequence of sin is death, and yet Here we are, knowing we are free. We've been given mercy, so we're not receiving that. And that is the same context in which Paul is speaking into using this letter. And so it's really important that we realize the platform or the framework that we're within, that we have first received grace and mercy. This is the platform for whenever we're thinking about arguments, okay? We've already received something we don't deserve, and we haven't received something we do deserve, okay? Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. And today, therefore, now you said it's all right. Ha-ha, <laughs> got ya. Um, we're going to be learning about laying down our rights. We're talking about arguing, but we're laying down our rights. So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn to chapter 6 in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to read from verse 1 to 11. It should come up on the screens as well. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people would judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore... If you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. It is possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers. But instead, one brother 
takes another to court. And this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So in this context, what you've actually got, it's not just arguments worldwide. You've got arguments with a Christian, with a believer, with another believer. And in this, to resolve the argument or to deal with the argument, we're now bringing in the court or we're going to court. In our journey through our Essentials Matters series and through this book, at least this letter, you see recurring themes. And here we get judgment but also we get wisdom. And we've spoken about wisdom already. And the whole emphasis that Paul puts on it is that there's a judgment and there's a wisdom according to the world. That's judgment the world's way. That's wisdom the world's way. But there's also judgment according to the Lord's way. There's wisdom according to the Lord, not from below, but from above. And so... I don't want to take too much time on this because it talks about judgment at the start and it says, did you not know we will, we will judge angels? And that, that's a massive thing. And I don't want to get sidetracked by that today. But let me just share, you can read more about that actually through Peter's letters and in Jude. But just know, one of our favorite sayings from Paul in Ephesians is that we're in Christ. As a believer, you're in Christ. And what is Christ or who is Christ? Well, Christ is above every ruler every power, every authority, every principality, every dominion. And Jesus will rule over it all. And Jesus will bring judgment to it all. And we're in Jesus. So that's a little side note. We can talk about that another time. But today we're going to be talking about arguments and um, just laughing really at how mad Paul is getting about this. So Paul writes this letter to them and he's mad with them because, not because they're arguing, but he's mad because they're arguing in a worldly way. And not only that, but the world is watching. There's an audience. They're taken to court. And verse 7 seems crucial to me. Verse 7 is the one for us today. It really speaks the volumes of everything going on. <laughs> Paul's saying, you've lost already. You're defeated already if you're taking brother and sister, if you are arguing and having to take that to court to deal with your issues, you're bringing the world in and judging from a worldly perspective. And you're, you're on show for the world to see. You see, the context in which uh, Paul is speaking into, Corinth, is in Greece and uh, actually under Roman occupation at that time. And so the Romans, you know, they're all about their law system. They're all about their courts. They're all about their freedoms and their rights. They're all about their litigation. And, and in this, 
the church of Jesus, at least in Corinth, is sort of being an audience to, but also being infiltrated in some sense with these worldly ideals. And so you've got the Corinthians, which I mentioned before, and you hear time and time again, who are just self-obsessed. They're all about ego. They're all about me and my rights. It's the culture they're in. But even more intensified is the fact that the Corinthian people, a lot of them were ex-slaves. So what's happened here is they've earned their way into freedom. And so when you earn your way into freedom, you get more rights. And so if you haven't had them, you're going to take them on, right? I was just thinking, not quite in the same way, but with a membership. When you finally get membership to something, when there's different levels of membership, you make sure you lap up every part of those opportunities in that level of membership. You you take hold of it. That's yours. You deserve it. That's my right. And this is what we have the Corinthian people having amongst these arguments within the church and now outside of the church in front of an audience. And we have to understand about the Romans and how they did their, their courts and their, their arguments in front of people was that it was like entertainment. I mean, we rock up to the cinema or maybe you want to go bowling or something and that's what you do for entertainment. There in their day, you want to have a good time, you want to have a laugh, Let's go to court and watch people squabble amongst one another. Bring your popcorn. We're just going to pop the popcorn in and watch and have a laugh at other people's expense. And that was what was happening. Christians being on show, having arguments. And Paul was not happy about it. He was not happy at all. And so the things people would be arguing about were most likely trade, belongings, land, reputation, and honor. And we're going to come back to that. Reputation and honor. Because that meant a lot in their time, in their day. Especially when you're leading businesses. Trying to think. This is a bit of a difficult thing to translate to us today, right? Because we're talking about court. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to use this one. We're going to have to talk about court. And uh, Maybe you're not taking somebody, maybe you've got an argument with somebody, but you've rarely thought of court or taking a brother or a sister or a Christian to court, right? Maybe that's been difficult. Um, but here's the thing. There's an audience, right? So let's just turn for a moment to social media, right? You may not be taking your brother or sister to court, but you will call out a Christian on social media in an ungodly way with a audience watching. And this is happening. Let's not, let's not turn a blind eye to it. There is a whole host of things being used on social media by Christians against other Christians. That's happening. So that, that's the relevant thing. And actually, just recently, you may have seen there's been some articles about other leaders and there's been documentaries about other churches saying different things. And now, I, I don't want to say that's all wrong because there's a whole host of things going on in there. There's disputes in there, and I never want to say we would ever condone any form of abuse. Never. That needs to be dealt with. But I do struggle to reconcile some of this stuff when Paul says, as a Christian, why not, why not prefer being cheated? Why not prefer being wronged? Now, okay, I'm not putting that in with abuse, okay? And I think you're reading between the lines. You've heard the headlines. You've read the lines. But just something to speak into that. 
just something to think about. And here, Paul is so angry because, not because they're arguing, but because they're arguing in a way that it's not as Christ would be. And there isn't a context in this passage right here that we've written where Paul lays out how to argue and what to do and how to say. But in the context of the whole letter, you've got Paul repeatedly saying, imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. Follow Christ's example. We're to follow Christ's example even in our arguments. One of the favorite passages of mine, I wasn't planning to share it, but I think it really just brings things out so well, I have to, is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through to 8. This is how Paul tells the Philippian people how to do relationships. It says, verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, not taking hold of his own rights just there. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's Jesus. That's the example of Jesus were given. And then again, bringing it back to Corinthians. Corinthians, the first chapter, starts off about the crucifixion of Jesus. You don't hear, if you read through the, the book, you don't get resurrection, talk about resurrection, till like chapter 14, 15 at the end. So the emphasis in following Jesus has really been the platform of his crucifixion. I just think we need to pause there for a moment and just think about what Jesus went through for us. See, Jesus died a painful, excruciating death, death on the cross. And this was humiliating too. Here's the thing. He also knew he was going to do that. Just imagine that. He knew that was upcoming. I don't know for how many years he knew that, but he knew he was on his journey there. And you can see that in the Gospels in those three years, at least of his public ministry. He was giving them examples of this happening. The way he got there was he was betrayed by one of his best friend who he'd spent like three years with. Betrayed. Even another best friend of his would say, I don't know you and I'm not going to associate myself with you. His own people, the Israelite people, they didn't support him. In fact, they supported him going to the cross. And yet he was innocent. The people knew he was innocent. The people who put him there knew he was innocent. Everyone knew he was innocent. And yet he went to the cross for us. He was judged and he was judged by somebody who even questioned truth. This is Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, king of justice, was judged by somebody who even questioned truth, led him to the cross. And then in that transaction, as part of this journey, do you know they decided to let a criminal free in his place? And what was this criminal's name? Jesus. Somebody was swapped out in his place called Jesus, who actually was a criminal. This is what Jesus went through. This is what Jesus chose even. 
Everyone knew this guy was a criminal. Everybody knew Jesus wasn't. Everybody knew Jesus was here for good. And yet, on a cross for us. And you say through all that, well, what was Jesus about? Why did Jesus go through all of that? Deal with that injustice over injustice, hardship over hardship. And it's because Jesus cared more for his father's will. See, Jesus was obsessed with his father's will. All he said and all he did, he only did as the father led him and guided him. It's in John's gospel. And so here's a difficulty. Jesus laid down his rights. And if we're following Jesus, we've got to lay down our own. One of the times in my life where I've seen this sort of happen, I share it with you guys because I love you and hopefully you'll continue to love me. But I was actually in the wrong. I'd wronged another Christian. And um, it came to my sense that never intentionally, never motivated to wrong somebody like this, but I had in my carelessness, in my playfulness, in, in just me trying to please people and have a good time, I'd wronged somebody. And we kind of did it in a biblical way. We, we met together and I apologized and I said sorry. And I was even given that kind of reassurance that this person had forgiven me. But because the consequences of my action caused harm and the penalty for my action wasn't severe enough according to this person, this person continued to talk about me in other Christian circles that I wasn't a part of in what would probably be seen as a slandering way, in a way that I didn't think was fair. I was misrepresented. I was misjudged. I was misunderstood. Yes, I'd done wrong, but that didn't mean all the other things he would then adopt to think about me. And the thing was, it was my reputation. Oh my gosh, he's cutting down my reputation with other Christian leaders. Oh my word, how, how can I show myself? He, he's showing that I can't even do relationships properly. At the end of the day, I just had to have peace. I had to say before the Lord, God, this belongs to you. You have your way. And I'll lay down my rights to kick and scream about it or try and get a word in. That happened to me. And that was a story where I have to trust God more sometimes than really I want to. I, didn't want, I wanted to take control. But that was something the Lord showed me. Lay it down. Lay down your reputation, David. Lay down being understood. Lay down the process that you think is right and should be done. It's okay. I'm for you, and I'm also for that other person. Just remember that. So I want to, because we're talking about arguments, I think it's really important. This is not the same thing, but to look at how Jesus talks about arguments, at least within the church. And you'll find that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through to 20. And I'm just going to read this to you. This is what Jesus, our Lord Jesus says. And this is different because earlier on, we're talking about laying down your rights. This is not at that point yet. Listen to this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. That's basically an outsider. 
Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two uh, of two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I love this fact because it talks about witnesses. You know, we pray a lot or we say a lot where two or three are gathered. And that is true. God's always with you in two or three. But actually, it's about this unity. It's about wisdom and counsel amongst believers. God's wisdom and counsel is there. But let's look at this quick breakdown. You've got three steps. The first step, if you've got an argument or a grievance against somebody within the church, within your community of believers, you do a one-to-one. You go to them. And it's really, really clear from here. It says in my NIV version, at least, just between the two of you. Just between the two of you. So don't be going out to somebody else to talk about them first. First, go to speak to them. Now, if you don't see eye to eye on this, then you bring in another witness. And what I understand from this is a witness that you have a mutual respect for so you can accept what they have to say. And then finally, if that doesn't work out, you bring it before the church. Now, the context here and the context, at least in Corinth, you've got churches more like house church. We're not talking a church service with 100 people. and We just start sharing about what's going on and having a riot. I believe there has to be some more updated church practices in place and how we do that. And it may be different across different churches and even within Wellspring over time, you know, we will have to deal with those things differently. But what it shows is caring about the unity of the church family. One, one to one, two, bring in a witness and three, let the church know. Maybe a small group, if they're already part of a small group, maybe that's the best context, but leadership as well. Now, this is about sin as well. And so maybe you're thinking, maybe it's not sin, but there's a misunderstanding. I just want to say and be honest with you again and try and do this in a way that's covert so you don't have to start thinking and going those places. That's not helpful to you. But I wronged another person. I'm very good at doing it. <laughs> and... Um, Apparently, my opinion had wronged somebody in a context with other people. I shared something. I, th- I assumed everybody shared the same thoughts as me, and I, I'd wronged somebody. Here's the thing. The one-to-one didn't really work, so person brought in another witness. And I have to tell you, it was so helpful. Helpful for me and helpful for the other person. And actually, that resolved the matter, thankfully. Hey, I'm still here. (laughs) Um, And so is the other person. But, you know, I wanted to bring to you the fact that other people can help us out. Other Christians that we trust and before the Lord can minister into those situations. Don't do this alone. And uh, something I want to say is about our responsibility, because we'll we'll talk about that later on as part of the series. But there's a responsibility on us. In our relationships, when offense has been taken or given or however you want to call it, there's a responsibility for us to try and bring that to a resolution. So we don't just sit and draw bitterness and resentment. In fact, some person back in the day uh, called Ron Cousine, he he talked about a three-day principle which meant like when a body dies after three days, right, it begins to stink, it begins to fester. Now, I'm not saying the three-day principle, but I'm saying you know when actually you've gone from a place of being wrong to resentment. And so 
that point, yeah, definitely make sure you speak with that person. But I would say, according to how Christ leads us, we even need to start with an apology that we didn't bring it up sooner because resentment has already begun. You've started a journey of bitterness. So that doesn't mean you don't point out the wrong and deal with that. But hey, would you be humble enough to say, I didn't do this in the right process? That's a difficult one, but I'm giving that to you because I think that will... That will help you. That is practical in terms of how we chat and deal with conflict. Finally, when agreement and unity in this place, I I, want to share simply about arguments amongst the church family and what's at stake here. And so to do this, I want to read to you Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles with you again, um, Ephesians chapter 4, okay? Because I've said we, we, we can argue in an unworldly way and in front of an audience. Let's look at this. This is Paul again. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's everyone. Everyone within the church, worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. And when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Unity is at stake. And that's why even in this, Jesus says, you know, treat them as an outsider if they're, they're going to not listen and not submit. You see this as a practice in the Corinth church, as in what Paul says in chapter 5 earlier on, with an issue to do with sex. He says, expel that person. But not in this harsh way of judging on him, but actually in the hopes that he would be restored. It says, give him over is the language, give him over to Satan, but in the hopes that he would be restored and come in as part of the fold. So what's at stake when we argue not in the way Christ leads us to, when we argue in a worldly way and when we bring it out maybe on social media and other contexts where there's non-Christians involved or the world is involved? Well, firstly, our own relationship with Christ comes into play there because we're, we're disobeying him. We're not being obedient. It's sinful. And actually, from the original thing we've talked about from chapter 5, it talks about wrongdoers. It says we're doing wrong. And what does it even say about those who do wrong? They won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's how serious this matter is about doing relationships well and arguing well, arguing with respect. What? Respect with arguments? Yes. Dignity with arguments? Yes. So firstly, at stake is your relationship with God. Then obviously what's at stake is your relationship with other people and the church, which we've just read from Paul saying we are called to one family, not a divided family, not a divided Lord. Again, Corinthians, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. Oh, well, I follow Jesus. Notice how all the eyes is ego. It's about me. It's about who I'm following and how I'm doing. No. It's not about that. It's about you together in unity following Christ. Number three, it hinders our witness. And therefore, if it's hindering our witness, it hinders the power of the gospel. And you could imagine now why Paul was livid. Going to court. And then these are people who've received grace and mercy. 
told to love one another, to lay down their rights. And here they're jostling for power. They're jostling for reputation. They're fighting in front of the audience, just lapping it up, going, these guys follow Jesus. (laughs) Silly cult. That's what they're thinking. And Jesus wants us to follow him to the point that we lay down our lives. We lay down our rights. Hey, the language isn't, isn't, isn't fond language of mine, but we take up our cross. Are you willing for the sake of your relationship with Jesus, as well as for the gospel, as well as for your brother and sister in Christ Jesus, are you willing to lay down your rights? Are you willing? Because that is the call to us today. Are you willing to lay down your rights? Are you willing to pick up your cross? Are you willing to lay down your reputation? And I have to come round to this over and over. I dealt with it once. I don't think I've dealt with it forever. That's something I have to battle with. Are you going to be able to lay down resentment? Are you going to be able to lay down bitterness? Are you going to lay down your own justice? Again, I don't want to get caught up in things of abuse. Things need to be dealt with in the right way. But amongst church family, where there is leadership, where there is relational trust, those relationships need to be used in the right way to deal with arguments so that your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with one another, but also the gospel that we share And the gospel that we give to the world isn't dampened down. So that the full power of the gospel is on display in us and through us. So I'm going to ask the band up now. And I don't want to rush this because this is really deep. I think this should speak to each and every one of us. Because as people, I just know, we idolize ourselves. That's what ego is. We're self-obsessed. Jesus was father-obsessed, and Jesus is trying to help us be like him so that we would be father-obsessed as well. I'm inviting you to be Christ-obsessed, to follow Christ no matter your rights. And I know it can be hard because you feel you've earned it, you've done this and you've done that. Well, that's unfair. Well, remember the foundation this all stands on. It's grace, something you never deserved, but you got it. It was paid for at the highest price, but you got it for free. So joining the band, they're going to lead us in song, but I want to invite you now to just think of what is the Lord asking you to lay down? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way that you deal with us with grace and mercy. And I thank you, Father, that none of us are the finished article yet but you continue to work with us and in us to bring about your perfect plan for our lives. And so, Lord God, I just ask that you would begin to help us think of the things in our own lives which we need to lay down. Father, help us lay down our rights. Help us to lay down our earnings. Help us to have a change of perspective or mind, Lord God, on on things to realize the Jesus way rather than the worldly way. And Father, I pray as we continue to do this, Lord, that our witness would grow more in power because we're more about you than ourselves. 
So Father, right now, all over this room and also those watching online, if there's things that you want to deal with in our lives, if this is, this is the time, I pray, Father, you'd help us be willing. Speak to us, I pray. Have our hearts. Amen.